Welcome to How I Got Here, a podcast which invites successful people to share their stories about how they got to where they are today. Today, I'm joined by Tom Lykeburns, a native Luxembourger who trained as an actor in London, returned to Luxembourg for an MBA at Sacred Heart University. And in 2015, he beat six other high achieving candidates and was chosen as the director of the Ville de Luxembourg Theatres. Welcome to the show, Tom. Hello. How are you? Very well, thank you. How do you feel about this being asked to reflect on your life? Because you're one of our younger guests. Is this too soon for you to reflect on your career? Well, um, no, I don't. I don't think it, it's too soon. I, I mm. always like reflection. You know, in 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 my busy life, it's something that I very rarely get time to do because mm-hmm. it's always the on to the next thing. Yeah. And I think it's it's it's, it's a bit of of, of uh, you know uh, what life has was become for for so many of us. So yeah. to take a to mo- moment to actually look back and reflect and on some of the things that I've done and actually ask myself the question: Well, how actually did I get here? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's quite useful. And um, I no, I'm, I don't I don't mind at all. It's really useful for listeners as well to hear how you made it in a in a country where perhaps theatre is not the most prominent thing but your mum was an actor am I right Yes, that is right. Uh, I suppose I got some uh, inherited some genes from her. She was in the 60s. She was in the uh, Le Tseboya Theater, which was the sort of uh, one of the first sort of big collectives that they'd uh, produce. Uh, you know, they did they did fairy tales for kids. They did a big cabaret each year and then a, and then a, a sort of drama play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when she when she had us, my, my brother and myself, she, she sort of stopped. But um, um, I certainly um, inherited that from her. And it, it was, you know, to become an actor was um, was a desire that I had very 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 early on in life. So um, now I'm kind of grateful for that. So you grew up kind of seeing her while she was she was a working mother when you were growing up. She w- was from a certain point of view. She was. I mean, she'd stopped acting uh, obviously, uh, you know, before I was born. So I've only seen pictures um, of her on mm-hmm. stage, photo old photographs of her. But uh, no, she she was also she was she was working uh, when we were old enough to go to school. So she was a, a working mum definitely. Was she always encouraging you to get? into acting or do you think that was something that was from yourself that she kind of noticed and then pushed what was her part in your career I think she was just very supportive I mean it was not nothing that she um, you know that she actively encouraged it was just something that was there from very early on and uh, you know what mothers do so well is just to um, I think sense that and you know she was always encouraging and supportive from the moment that I chose to do it Mm -hmm. and also um, you know negotiating certain things with my dad um, uh, to you know a career in acting even you know in the 80s was certainly uh, I think it's it's, it's better now and and I hope it is getting better Um, but um, you know in the 80s it was certainly not an obvious choice so she was very supportive and uh, obviously I you know I finished my my A-levels and I finished my baccalaureate first that was what any sort of reasonable parent would would uh, would advise their kids and, and actually I I'm grateful that I did that because had I not um, you know I wouldn't be where I am now um, but then after that you know after some trials and tribulations um, that could have that sort of vocation that that calling okay came back especially mm-hmm. when I when I found myself in London um, and you know, the big the big decision was, you know, to kind of uh, support me going to drama school, which at that time, you know, was was private and cost a lot of money. So I suppose from that moment on, when both my parents agreed to, um, you know, to fund that and to, to support that financially, that was, I think, a huge step. And, and from that moment on, you know, they, they were both 
both very supportive. So I think I I was kind of quite driven. Um, that's kind of part of my personality, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they just uh, supported that, to which I'm very grateful. Was that a big deal? So I'm trying to think back to this was during the 80s. Is that right? 70s, 80s? Well, I was, you know, I, bore, I was born in 1970s. So I was in, 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 the, in the 80s, I was a teenager. That's when right. I kind of started, you know, when I did my baccalaurea and I kind of had this desire to become an actor. I, I didn't go actually to, to drama school until the mid 90s so 95 to 98 was my training do you so, think that was hard for your parents because luxembourg is obviously quite a conservative place um and knowing that their son really wanted to get into acting do you think there's part of them that thought no come on do a proper job now tom no there, there was definitely part of it and i think you know most parents want what's best for their kids but above all one of those things is just stability mm-hmm. and you know a regular income and uh, so you know those things are not necessarily guaranteed or not at all guaranteed when you when you're choosing a, a profession in the arts um and um so that's why i suppose they wanted me to do my studies first put my studies first and then eventually they realized okay i was also quite persistent um even though i'd put it all on hold for a while because of you know love life and you know teenagers and <laughs> lots of other stuff took over um and, but then eventually i i you know it became very clear that that's what I wanted to do. And of course, you know, this was the 80s. This was when, you know, the banking sector was in full swing. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was, it was that, that's just kind of what people wanted their kids to do, you know. And it was like, why aren't you doing that? Mm. Yeah. yeah. So for aspiring actors who are just breaking out, do you think that it's really important for them to get a good education first or to get into acting as young as possible? What's your advice for them? Um, it's a it's a tricky one that one. I mean, I would I would say that um, in the to be realistic, mm. I think you know it is definitely good to have you know your 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 baccalaurea under your belt because um, you know what well, you know you're eighteen then aren't you? I mean yeah. you know you're eighteen and that's still very very young. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to drama center in London and which was one of the one of the few schools that actually had an age limit that was higher. It was 25 or 20, oh, wow. you know, 25 age limit to get in. Okay. So I was still able to apply there. And and um, what I what I learned is that, you know, you're you're only as good an actor as as the life experience that you can look back on because all you've got is your own emotions, your own thoughts, your own experiences. So you have plenty of time. And I think to just have something else to fall back on is certainly not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know. You can go abroad, you can go to your training and have, uh, you know, you can actually you can actually change your mind, you know, even later. I think um, it's it's brilliant to to be persistent. And if, if that's what if, if someone feels they have that vocation, mm-hmm. then that's great. And and most schools now and most even universities, you know, have very strong drama, drama departments or or acting groups where you can also try out whether it's really what you want to do. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I think there's a bit of a fantasy. A, a lot of this. And I remember being told this even at audition stage at drama school, you know, if you think that, you know, you want to be, <laughs> be applauded and you want to be loved, you know, if that's why yeah. you want to be an actor, you want to show off, you know, that's it's not all what the it wrong is. reasons. Yeah. It's all the wrong reasons and I think that's another thing I think give yourself plenty of time to reflect and to really find out whether it is what you want to do whether you've got what it takes you know try out go to amateur groups you know take lessons go and see plays speak to other actors speak to people really find out and then you know I'm all for going to train and try and get into a proper drama school and and then do it and in the meantime you know that gives you plenty of time to finish off your baccalaurea and have that in the end while you figure things out yeah 
Yeah, I think so. But you need quite a thick skin mm. to survive or at least excel in the industry. Is that right? Yeah, I think I think so. I think so. I mean, I think you need to be you need to be versatile. And you know, I think one of the things that I, you know, uh, that I um, had, I suppose. Uh, when I when I when I arrived in London as a sort of you know twenty three year old totally naive from Luxembourg, um, <laughs> it's 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 this kind of just you 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 think you've got the world at your feet and there's so much you can do, and when you're an actor you 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 have to realize that you're not going to earn a, a living from it all the time. So you know what else can you do? And I had the great advantage, of course, coming from Luxembourg, coming from a multilingual country. I had five languages at my disposal, so obviously the work opportunities were were immense. Yeah. So, you know, that's how I just kind of got by. And you, you have to be open to other options and other things. And, uh, and and again, you know, from a creative point of view, there's plenty of things you can be doing. You know, of course, my dream was also maybe I'm going to be picked up and I'm going to have a big Hollywood career. <laughs> that's your that's the fantasy. The reality is that you're probably going to be doing a lot of theatre and education, do a lot of corporate videos and eventually, you know, end up maybe in, in, a, in a kind of, you know, a regional tour of, of, of some kind of, you know, Dickens play or whatever. And, and that's fine, too. So I think you've got to have the stamina. You've got to live it out. And you just got to keep at it and not be afraid to try other things in the meantime, whether creative or not, or whether it's selling soup or, I mean, you know, or, or burgers or working or doing market research. I mean, I've done all those things. I was yeah. even thinking about that this morning. I thought... God, you know, Tom, there was, a, there was a time when you just literally went to work every morning and you just tried to ring people whether they wanted toilet paper or not. I mean, but that was all part of it. And you yeah. have to, you know, great if you don't need to. That's the other thing about acting. You know, you can have the best training in the world and never get anywhere. And you can have no training and become a, a, a superstar. There is no recipe for success in that mm -hmm. profession. All you can do is just try and find out what, what it is that you personally need and kind of try and measure that very early on uh, with, with other people, uh, whether it is, you know, in a class, whether it is in, in some kind of group. And then just, you know, try and um, do you know, what you what you think is, is, is best for your own development. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's it's a mixture. It's a mixture of stamina, you know, persistence, um, drive, creativity, and you know, kind of not not being afraid to um, or not being feeling too. Be saying Luxembourgish, like you know, feeling you're too good for some certain things. Okay. I think when you when you go into that profession uh, that is acting, you know, you're gonna have to be quite um, you know um, versatile and, and try out different things. There came just that one point I remember very vividly when I just thought, right, that's it. Now I'm finished with catering. Uh, you know, <laughs> when I cleaned out the last you know pot of soup uh, at this soup kitchen in London. You know, it was it was it, that that came. From for a moment, I thought, no, that's it now. And I had my languages to fall back on. So that was mm -hmm. great. So then I just did, you know, when I wasn't working as an actor, I did, you know, market research and translations and things like that. Um, um, but always, always with that one goal in mind, you know, um, you know, hopefully hoping to um, to get the next to get the next job. Perseverance. Yeah. Yeah. So after your time in London, you then returned to Luxembourg. Um, what was it like returning to Luxembourg with new eyes, so to speak, and experienced life as an adult in a different country? What was it like coming back? 
I mean, it was again. It was. It was kind of two things. I mean, on one hand, because I did come back, because obviously I, I, I was getting work here, mm-hmm. and you know, all you want uh, as an actor when you've trained or when you've not trained, if that's what you want to do, you know, you, you want to work. And sometimes that work is hard to come by. But, um, you know, after I finished drama school, I, I got in touch with all the different theatres here and got my CV around. And then obviously offers started coming in. And that was great. So so from that point of view, that was that was that was that was really exciting to be able to work. And I did work uh, quite a lot. Um, but I, there, there was also that kind of, OK, um, it was kind of the same, but just in a smaller in a smaller way, because not all of my time was taken up with acting. So, again, I had to be creative in what I was going to what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And I always remember I was teaching English in, in, under hypnosis at some point. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's like, well, what else can I do? And I had some good friends and then people say, oh, I know, you know, so and so is looking for someone like this. And and then. Um, you know, so for I came back at the end of 2002, so 2003, and I think very early, very soon after that, I really got that. Um, well, as I was working, I was working on a production as an actor, mm-hmm. and the assistant uh, on that production knew Frank Feitler very well. She was working with him at the Grand Theatre, and uh, that was the pre- Frank was the previous yes, director. That's right. And he he kind of knew of me as a, someone who who could speak English very well, who trained in London, and he needed someone uh, uh, to 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 do production work. He he was bringing these big productions over, and uh, you know the theatre had been closed for many many years, so there wasn't actually an administrative um, department to look after a lot of that work. So that's how that's actually even in 2004 already I started doing freelance um, production uh, assisting work, and then you know getting in, getting into production management. So. That was kind of the first step into the world behind the scenes. I, I was still doing productions as an actor, but I was also, um, you know, working on some of those big productions um, at the Grand Theatre, and that felt out my time. So I think the beauty of it was coming back was just to be able to work and not having to do market research anymore uh, and just kind of work in the theatre, um, mm-hmm. even though in all different fields. I mean, that's the other thing, you know, from recording recording commercials to um you know doing doing readings doing um all all different aspects of the of the of the profession i think that's just something that is um is 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 uh, is really really useful to 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 know that yes of course we all want to get the lead parts in the next big production but it's not just that you know it's great if that happens but in order to get there you know you may have to just kind of, you know, do the, the daily grind and the bread and butter and do the, and I think s- sooner or later, you know, your name gets mentioned and someone knows, well, I know, well, he, he did really well in that. And mm-hmm. well, I know so-and-so. And obviously another advantage of Luxembourg it being so small. So it's very, sometimes very quick to 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 get to know the right people in the right places. Um, and I think for me, it was always my motto. I thought, well, I, as long as I'm working in that field, as long as I'm using my skills, whether it's my voice, whether it's my acting skills, whether it's my, you know, obviously more and more my organization, skills and, and my knowledge of the of the of the of the profession as, as, a, as a whole became more and more important but um, you know my satisfaction comes from that that I've, I've I, I, I get to know that industry that whole that whole world of, of, of performance um, on stage behind the scenes now obviously with a much wider portfolio of productions and in theater dance and opera um, you know that 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 for me that was that was enough, and I, I think that really helped me as well. And I think was was one of the key aspects of why, 
you know, I succeeded, if, if you want to call it that, is because yeah. I, I just always thought, well, you know, well, okay, then I'm going to do that. And no, I, I, I'm not. You're too. prepared to do the small <clears throat> jobs. You're prepared yeah. to do every part of the process. Yeah. And I suppose that helps you now. I'm sure when you were doing these small jobs at the time, you never knew that you would be in the position that you are in now. But it's surely it's helpful that you've gone through all those different aspects of the theatre, right? I think so. In the first place, it, it really teaches you how, how it works. And I think um, I think it also helped me to, to, to kind of now make this big step and take on this, this new role. Because I think people know that, um, well, he's... Um, you know, he's he's come a long way, and yeah. he's he's done all the different stages. You know, I've been an actor, I've been a, a production manager. I know, I know the world, and I think that that gives you respect. And I think people know that you you know you 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 understand what 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 it is um, to be an actor, and also what it is to produce a show. So I, I was very happy because um, you know. You need you need that support as well, both from the from a scene, from the, from the acting community, also from the audiences, and also from from lots of different people. When you're in a position like that, and when people sort of said, "Well, he seems to be the right the right guy at the right place," you know, and I thought, "Well, okay, if that's how people see it, then then I'm very happy with that, and I'm certainly trying to do my best." But it it has definitely definitely helped a lot. Although that was never ever my ambition, mm-hmm. it was not what I worked towards, and probably just as well because maybe yeah. I wouldn't have got it otherwise. It just just sort of happened and it happened very organically um, because someone saw the potential in me and that was very lucky you know Frank my predecessor he 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 became really like a mentor I learned so much from him and he suddenly saw you know his retiring age was approaching he was very concerned about who would take over you know he wanted the venue to be in good hands and then he saw that potential in me I, I certainly didn't see it in the beginning. You know. It was good timing and you were prepared, you know. Mm. Had you not been prepared and had you not had all these experiences, he might have maybe stayed on longer or have found someone with more experience. So it was everything was at the right time, but it required your preparation, basically. Yeah. Someone once told me that your career and your life and success, you can't think of it as the whole picture because you don't know the whole picture. Mm. All you can do is make the dots and then later you look back on your life and then you can connect them. Like we're sitting here now and you're saying that all those small things you've done have proved that you are a hard worker and shown people that you have what it takes, but you never you never did it because you wanted to become a director. Mm. No, that's right. But you've had to give up acting then. <laughs> yes, I I How's kind of that? did. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it was it was it became clear, you know, as I when I was working um you know, freelance in a freelance capacity, and started looking after the bigger productions. And then Frank told me, "Well, you know, you, if you want to, if you, if you want to work here, you need to look after the opera season because those are the biggest productions. And if you can manage an opera, you can manage anything." So I had not, I didn't know the first thing about opera, uh, and <laughs> it was it was a, a huge learning curve. So I did that, and then it just became increasingly impossible to combine the two because it was it was. I remember once I was acting in a production and also managing it. And I was like, okay, no, this is this this is not yeah. working, you know. Being up in the office when you should be in rehearsals, when you're in rehearsals, you think I should be working on that. Crazy. And then increasing and then as soon as this kind of plan emerged that I could be the post the potential successor, um, you know, it became very clear and he said to me, you know, you, you're gonna have to stop acting because A, you won't have the time for it. B, it gives you that position of 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 neutral um judgment on on everything. If you are artistically involved yourself and A from from a time 
timing perspective, then you're never there. So that's not good. But also from it, I think it gives you, it allows me to not being artistically working myself, whether it is as a director or an actor, you know, I can just really, and, I, and believe you me, that there, there are not enough hours in the day as it is. Mm. Um, but also, so that's one thing. But the other thing is also then I, I, I kind of reserve my judgment for the productions and for the other people that I that I think uh, I want to work with. And they then can't say, well, the last show you did wasn't very good. So <laughs> why are you telling me that for? So that's yeah. another element. And it just became clear. And, you know, I think it was for a time, there was a transition period when every time I got asked to do a job, you know, of course, it breaks your heart to say no. You know, in an acting, as an actor, to say no is like almost like what, what you're talking about. Mm. And, and And then increasingly, you know, I'd also learned that no, no, you, you just got to now, you just got to draw a line, you know. And then every time I would go back and say, "Oh, can I just do this? one more? What can I do one more?" Yeah. And some, and then in the end, I did manage to do some more filming work because obviously that requires a lot less time than a theatre production. And I still managed to do, you know, Hannah Arendt, which was a great experience. And that was kind of my final, you know, my well for now, um, you know, my my final sort of acting job. And uh, and I haven't I haven't done anything since. And um, and that was great. But it was it was it took time to kind of realize no your priority lies there now and unless you are prepared to focus on that it's just not going to happen but it's hard also because you've worked all your life towards this one goal mm. and here you are being given another opportunity not better not worse you know it's it's immeasurable because they're very different roles obviously yeah. um but it's hard to say okay i'm gonna give that up and i'm gonna tr give this a go you know having yeah. put in the amount of effort that you put in mm. Was yeah. that a hard decision? Yeah. And because I realized the enormity of the opportunity, yeah. you know, I think uh, to maybe run a smaller theater somewhere else um, I would have been a different uh, story. But this is it. I mean, this is yeah. like the big job. You yeah. know? And I thought, OK, right, you, you've got this opportunity. And, um, <laughs> you know, the person that I am, I, I, I usually, um, you know, take opportunities as they arise. And I, I and once I sort of once I've kind of committed to something, I, I do it to the full. And, and I realized that was part of the deal. And it was a choice I made. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know, and I'm happy with that choice now, you know, it doesn't mean that I'll never act again, because who knows what's around mm -hmm. the corner, who knows what I'll be doing later on, maybe in life. Um, and that's the beauty of that profession as well. It just stays with you. I'm not doing it actively right now. But you know, I might come back to it. And in the meantime, I'm learning a hell of a lot of other stuff. Which again, you know, on the long journey of life is 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 enriching and uh, you know um, develops me further as a person as well. For those of us who don't know, what's the actual day-to-day -day work? Well, I can tell you the day-to-day. -day. I mean, it's obviously you know it's never boring because there's such a large variety of work. Like for example, today you know I've just come back from Mainz in Germany where I went to see a rehearsal, a run-through last night of a co-production that we're doing with them. It's coming to us in March, but it's opening there on Saturday. Mm -hmm. I can't be there on Saturday, so I went to see it and I had a chat with the director and gave some feedback. Met with the with them with with the with the responsible uh, departments to to talk about future collaborations. So there is a there is a lot of um, phone calls, meetings, um, and, and Skype conversations. Obviously about artistic projects wherever they are in their development. Um, you know, it's a Skype call with uh, with Galim Dance who are in New York. They're coming over in January for a creative residency, or it's talking about local artists' meetings about projects for next season. So that does take up quite a lot of time um, 
But then alongside that, there are obviously, you know, there's stuff like this, you know, interviews or, or maybe, you know, engagements where you re represent the theatres that can be on a city level, that can be in an, on an artistic capacity. And then there is a lot of management, really. I mean, the, the, the fact is the reason why I did the the uh, the MBA was because I realized that, you know, to run a big a big theatre like that, two venues um, with a with a large budget, with a big team of, of you know, nearly 80 people, I just need I need some management skills. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is really management, you know, you need people skills. It's from anything, you know, to managing managing the team, you know, we're in a really big transition process because obviously I, I made some changes when I arrived. We have a lot of people retiring over the next five years. There's all the time some things to consider, you know, how to work more efficiently, who could be who could be suitable for which position. And there's a, a big, a lot amount of time gets spent looking at, you know, how to work in the best way, how to develop the team, which trainings we need, you know, that the industry is changing all the time. And, and especially on the technical, on the technical point of view, you know, the, the productions that are being made now are so different than they were 10 years ago, you know, video, audio, um, you know, it, it, it's such a high level. So constantly trying to, okay, stay up to date. Um, so a lot of time gets spent with, um, with that. Yeah. And keeping an eye on the budgets, you know, looking at uh, looking at forecasting budgets for next season for next year, you know, mm -hmm. we work in a seasonal way, but our budget runs in a calendar year, all the things, you know, you, there's a running program as well. So I also have to be there when there were when there is an opening night and, and, and look after, you know, the artists that are that are actually rehearsing at the moment. So there is really a lot to do. And um, it's it's very rare for a, it does exist in other countries, but it, it's quite rare to be general manager and artistic director in mm -hmm. one person. But that's the way it is is set out by the city. Um, and, um, you know, luckily, obviously, I've got a, a, an amazing team and, and people are obviously supporting all those efforts. But ultimately, I, I'm responsible for it all. I don't I don't try and think about it too much, but because um, otherwise you really would have sleepless nights. I was about to say, <laughs> so this might freak you out even more. But when I was going over the theatre programme with some friends the other day, we were saying that it we really see you because what the choices that you make are all over that program and especially like Luxembourgish people who have seen lots of directors come and go they will they will say to me sometimes you know it's really clear that we have a different director in charge these days okay. from looking at the program you know mm. and um, you know the changes that you've made positive changes are a reflection of who you are mm. um, how do you make those decisions you know when you're choosing plays do you have a criteria for what productions you'd like to bring to Luxembourg do you think about the general public or do you think of yourself as a bit of an art how am I going to express my style and what I like it's a mixture of both, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, the first criteria, I mean, apart from obviously having a, a, a level of quality, I mean, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm very flattered by the way that you think, you know, I'm reflected in that program. But I do have to say, you know, the program hasn't really changed that much. I mean, but even even under my predecessor, you know, the level of international work, the mm -hmm. level of quality, you know, was already very high. Okay, my my certain sensitivities might be slightly different, my personal taste might be slightly different, and of course, it it feeds into your program. Otherwise, you couldn't do it. It's yeah. like you know, would you ever buy a present for someone else that you don't like yourself? It's a bit like <laughs> that, you know. You, you wouldn't you wouldn't yeah. do it. I mean, yeah. I I won't program something that, of course, th within reason. Sometimes you think, well, that's not my cup of tea. But, but I can I appreciate yeah. it. That's and I, it. I think it would work yeah. really well with the young Agreed. people yeah. or it would work really well with that audience. You know, we have such a multifaceted, multicultural 
heterogeneous audience here, which is which is one of the most exciting aspects of this job, but also the biggest challenge. You know, just take the languages alone. You know, it's not like just programming a venue in Berlin where you know you don't have to think about English or, or even other languages. You know, so you already have to hear. You have to satisfy all those expectations from you know from from the French speaking audience, the German speaking audience, the Luxembourgers as well. Yeah. The English language audience is developing immensely, and those productions are working also really well. And then you know, and in, in dance, it's the same thing. So it's 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 it. On one hand, one of the criteria is really finding that balance in the whole mm -hmm. program. Also, from an international perspective, um, you know, to make sure that you you offer the most diverse um, discoveries and productions from all over the world, um, whilst keeping that level of quality, whilst also thinking about the different um, nationalities, the different ages. Like you said, of course, you have to kind of, if you want to take people with you on a new journey, you you can't just go all new, new, new. No, you have to sort of gently bring them and also keep giving them giving also the maybe the more older audience or more conservative audience or whoever they also need to find their place i want to open the theater for everyone that is one of my that i think is really important you know we are we are a public institution we are funded by the city um and um And you know, it is. It is. Uh, everyone has. Everyone has a place there, and that's why. The, that's why I, I also believe in in providing shows that are entertaining. You know, if they have the the right quality, I believe in opening the theater for for hip hop, like we did for, with Breaking Convention. Mm. It was a huge success, and I, I, it was so touching. You know, to see different people in the theater, and you know, it's um, it takes a lot of work because it it looks. And a lot of people think, oh, God, wow, your program, you know, I mean, it is so big and it is, there is so much of it in <laughs> yeah. it. Um, and, and a lot of that is, you know, to make it all work is, is, is hard. But then you get that huge satisfaction too when you, when you just see that people appreciate it and um, come and enjoy what we, what we have to offer. And I think that diversity that we can have here in this, um, you know, in this very multicultural environment, I think is quite unique. And I think you really kind of put yourself on the map when you brought Mamma Mia over mm -hmm. um, for mm -hmm. several reasons. I think it was one of the first productions but um, that people were talking to me about and saying, oh, have you heard? You know, Mamma Mia is coming to Luxembourg. And some people were saying it's not the right place for it. And some people were saying that who's going to go and see it? You then had 20,000 visitors and sold out 22 performances That says to me that what you've done, which you've mentioned already briefly, is you've brought diversity to the theatre. I think that's huge because Luxembourg can be perceived sometimes as quite conservative. And the theatre is somewhere which is usually a luxury mm -hmm. that upper white middle class people can only afford to do and only they do it as an activity but when you brought Mamma Mia over and the various other things you brought to your program meant that it was for everyone mm. were you anxious to bring that no <laughs> not really did you know it would be well received yeah. that's a better question I did knew. you know it would be well received I knew I knew I knew I knew it would be well received because I think it's it's it, it, you know it's such a It's such a life-affirming, fun, fun show. And, you know, I, I know it's always, you know, there's always people who think, oh, well, you know, ABBA, ABBA, oh, God, ABBA. <laughs> But, I mean, secretly, you know, everyone likes a good old ABBA number every now and then. And I think that's some, some, 
times it's um you know it's cool maybe to be very brainy and intellectual i never i i don't call myself an intellectual you know i'm an artist i've 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 learned the trade from inside out i've lived in london 10 years and i've learned a lot about what good quality shows and productions are in in the uk i mean let's face it it is still one it is it is almost you know one of the big mother of of theater you know the world's best actors come from there and if anyone can do a good show at, on a professional level then it is it is in the uk not only of course but that's where where my background is so you know when we started doing musicals and again it was started already under my predecessor uh, with a little bit of nudging as well from from me well we <laughs> did we did west side story for the 50th anniversary we did um we were going to do a show which was kind of didn't work out so we had dreamboats and petticoats which is a small but still west end production so it it's all it it had all been already prepared and we realized then you know i think we did 11 shows of west side story we sold out so we could already get we already knew there is an audience there i mean and mamma mia is just in terms of musicals it's the biggest you can have because it has mm. the biggest impact i mean when i talked to the producers in the beginning and they're like why you know they were going obviously coming from a very commercial but, you know, thinking, well, when 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 Mamma Mia hits a, 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 a territory for the first time, you know, you 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 don't know what's going to happen. And uh, I was like, OK, OK. Um, <laughs> but I kind of could imagine. And I think that's the other thing that people might may have a slight issue with is, is that commercial aspect. You know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm sorry. OK. So someone's making money from it. Okay, is that is that a reason why it's bad? People making loads of money from cinema, from movies. Mm-hmm. We never question. Okay, you can look at it from an ethical point of view and think, well, I don't want to go this, what go and see this blockbuster, and that's your choice. People have a choice not to come. There's plenty of other things in our program, you know, for that that are really, you know, um, all. Um, you know, there are a lot more, you know, that deal with, with, with contemporary issues, that have an educational value, that open our minds to all sorts of different things. And then there are shows where you can just go and have fun. And believe me, in these hard times, more and more people want to go to the theatre to enjoy themselves. And that's fine, too, in a, in, in a programme that has that diversity that we have. And I stand by that. And I knew that. And I wasn't really worried. I knew that some people might frown a little bit and that it might be but a little... that's expected. That you it, can it, never please yeah, anyone. that's expected. And that's when you think, you know... I need to well like you said before i you know you need maybe a thick skin but you also need a bit of a, a bit of a thick skin in this position because you cannot possibly please everybody and then you just kind of have to try and rise above it for me the numbers spoke for themselves um the feedback i got was very very positive it was a fantastic experience and um and we're going to do it again because that's the other thing. You can't just do Mamma Mia and then never do a musical again because people are thinking, oh, wow, yeah, Mamma Mia. So what's next? So what's yeah, next? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. What is next? Well, we had we had we've just had Kiss Me Kate. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Wasn't it brilliant? I loved it. So my favorites have been An Inspector Calls just because of the set was mm. just incredible. I was yeah. not expecting that. Um, and Kiss Me Kate was obviously just yeah. fantastic. No. And it's great, you know, it's it kind of just opened up that whole, you know, that whole awareness of people. Oh, mm. yeah. Because obviously opera isn't for everyone. And opera has especially has got that tag on it. That is like you said earlier, you know, quite elitist, it's expensive. I mean, the other thing that I really want to mention is and that's one, th- one thing that makes my job a hell of a lot easier. It's just that the city has got this really low price policy, because yes. they want to make culture 
concerts are accessible for everyone. Yeah. I mean, where do you get a 65 euro ticket to go and see a, a, a musical of that quality yeah. in a top class seat? Nowhere else, yeah. you know, and that, that is fantastic. And and so so with that in mind, I think it's 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 all the more reason to to have to have such a diverse program where where there's some something for everyone. But it's, it's like now that we speak, I feel like you have such a hard job. You know, you have to you, you have to please everyone in a way. You know what mm. we were saying, like the different nationalities here, um, the different intellects here. You've got to please everyone. Yet you have to have the thick enough skin to say, no, I stand by my decision. I'm going to take another musical on. You know, it's it's a balance that's not that easy. That, that's right. And that, that is the hardest thing in the programming. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, one of the greatest things, one of the biggest satisfactions I'm, I've had in the in the last 15 months that I've been in this job is that I've had somehow the confirmation or I've, I've seen that, you know what, Tom, you have developed an eye, mm-hmm. you know, and I've learned to see quality and I can see what works and what doesn't work. And I think that is a really, that is a really precious, you know, of course it will always develop further and the more work you see, you know, your eye might still get sharper and you can still maybe express and articulate better because that's the hard thing, you know, when you see something, you go, mm, it's not quite there yet. What does it need now, you know? Um, and that is one of the one of the really fascinating aspects of the job, but also sometimes the hardest because you you need to stay constructive. I'm talking now more about the development of, of some productions that we produce ourselves. So you want to guide them, you want to give them feedback, you want to make it as good as, as as best as it can be but also you know just going to see things abroad and to just kind of look at something and go do you know what this wouldn't work in Luxembourg because either the the context is too specific or mm, I'm not sure our audiences are ready for it because it's, it might be too experimental mm-hmm. um, and that is something that is really uh, you know that's giving me confidence and you just you just need that you just have to trust your guts to think no this will work and i have to say again mamma mia for me was a no brainer mm. there are other productions when i thought really much longer and harder and then there are those where you think no i just love this it's like you said you know it's like no i just love this i'm, I'm just going to do it <laughs> because i think it's brilliant you know and and trust but the beautiful thing is that now I think there is a real trust from the audience now and they come and they discover things. And even though it might not be their cup of tea and they come out and I can see them and they go, oh, this was a bit special or "Mm, interesting. You go, "Okay, you didn't like it. But (laughs) but still, you know, they appreciate it. And and that's the loyalty from the audience because they now I think they've finally realized. I mean, they realized a while ago and this was a long process. You know, it took 12 years to kind of get to that quality and level of of trust and loyalty from an audience because they know that they get, they're going to see quality, whatever it is, and, and they're coming and they've realized that, that what they have here in Luxembourg in that venue is something quite unique and really precious and affordable. Mm-hmm. So, Who do you rely on for a really honest opinion? You know, I'm sure your, your friends and your family go to the theatre and see the productions you've chosen. Afterwards, they must be giving feedback and there must be some that are really delicate with you and say, oh, no, it was great, Tom, fantastic. But who do you rely on to give you a really frank opinion? Mm. Well, it's interesting because my family is quite small, <laughs> unfortunately. So there's not lots of people actually from my family that go, that go uh, and, you know, my husband is... <laughs> 
you know, often uh, now at home, uh, you know, uh, babysitting while, whilst I'm at work. But he's he's a very good judge when he does come. And, you know, he's British, so he obviously sees a lot of the English language productions. Um, and I can always trust his judgment. And you value what he's Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, you know. Because we need that, I think. We, yeah. we need people around us that are going to say, you know, that really didn't work, Tom, or... Definitely. Great, yeah. And, you know, we have a programming commission, which is a sort of uh, a sort of uh, a commission of advisors and, you know, all of that, that feedback. I mean, I think um, it's that it's a really interesting question because you kind of you can sense it when you're there in the evening and you see the people come out. You kind of sense uh, even even at the applause at the end, you know. You so do you st- so do you so you're saying that you hang around when people are leaving? Yeah, I do. Okay. I do. Okay. I think it's really great because people often come up to you yeah. and then they give you first hand kind of feedback. <laughs> oh, wow, that was brilliant. Or, mm, you know, and most of the time it, it, it is positive. Um, and, you know, I, I obviously have some collaborators within the team. You know, Anne, I work with my deputy who's we know her advice. That's more maybe when we go and see shows for, for potentially programming here. Um, as far as the, you know, and then you've got friends who send you messages. And, um, you know, I don't think it's that one person, but it's really, I'm trying to get as much, because that's quite difficult sometimes to to get that feedback mm. from an audience. Yeah. And when you're there in the evening and you see them come out and then it filters through different channels. And um, so it's it's always good to, to get as much, uh, you know, as much feedback as possible. Can we talk a bit about your private life now? Now that we've done, now that we've done, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're now a father of two girls. Has that changed you being a father? Oh, totally. How? Totally. I think I'm a little bit more down to earth. I think I've I've just kind of it's grounded me in a way that um, I couldn't possibly have expected. Um, you know, it's put things in perspective. You know, when you when you're doing a job like that that you're passionate about and that you love, and and it's to do with you know it's artistic and creative, and you work with a lot of artists, and and there can be you know it's quite easy for things to get quite um, you know excited and 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 heated and and then also stressful and tense because you know there's always a deadline. There's always, the show must go on you know the next production the next season the next so it, it, it can be quite I mean a it's very time consuming but it can also be quite quite stressful it's and a lot of pressure on one person I think. Yeah, yeah it is a lot of pressure and having the girls has just been I really was I was dreading after the holidays to go back to work in a way because I thought oh god how is it all gonna work how am I gonna be coping and actually <laughs> I'm just finding out now my balance between you know, and it's all about discipline. It's all about, no, five o'clock, you go home. You spend an hour or two with your girls and then you go back to the theatre and you're there for the show or whatever. So it's allowed me, I think, to spend a lot more time at home. I don't know if my husband would ever have seen me if I, if we didn't have the girls now because, you know, you, you have understanding partners, which is amazing, and I really want to applaud and, and thank him for all his support and, and time. And, you know, it's it's quite it's quite hard when, when you're the one at home and, you know, someone's going off, you know, travelling and or, or for, for work. And you come home and you're tired. And, yeah. yeah, and then it yeah, carries yeah. on. But I've just sort of found this you know since now this season that um somehow less less you know less stressed and certainly less um because you know what it is like you get you get you get stressed and then you kind of get a bit irate and mm-hmm. then you take it out on the people you love you know unfortunately yeah. but i but i've i found that um it puts things in perspective. You think, yes, it's a great job. It's an important job. I want to do the best I can. But it's not your whole life. It's not my yeah, whole life. And the family life. aspect of it, you know, what can be better than coming home and you have two little girls there squeaking and making How old you are laugh? they? Well, they're 23 months, so they'll be two in January. Okay, so they're definitely a handful. 
definitely a handful. I mean, they're like full on. You know, they're running around, they're babbling away, they're making they're all sorts of up to all sorts of naughty things. And, uh, you know, and it's just and I love being with them. I mean, even now, you know, just like, I haven't seen them last night. So, oh, I miss them. Yeah. And I look forward to, to, to spending time with them. And that gives you that gives me really a kind of uh, a very good balance because work life balance, you know, it's one of the big words of the of the gener of our generation. Mm -hmm. And it is a really important and issue. And burnout is another point. <laughs> the other one. Yes, if you don't get the other one right, yeah. then you get the other. Uh, I know, yeah. I know. And, and that, I think, has opened up for me a whole new um, perspective that I just wasn't aware of you know i mean i grew up as a gay man it was i wasn't going to have kids that was it full mm -hmm. stop and now suddenly you know now you're a I role have model option. as well you know as mm. a father you're a role model so what was really interesting for me was i listened to an interview the other day where a mother was saying that she'd lived so freely her whole life and as soon as she became a mother she had to stop swearing she had to stop getting angry at little things she she's indian um in the uk she said she had to stop kind of reflecting the what she perceived as racism into her attitude because she didn't want her kids to grow up with a chip on their shoulder mm. thinking, oh my God, everyone's racist all the time. What responsibilities do you feel as a role model? Well, I, I think that resonates very, very strongly with me. I mean, we've been saying this the other day, just like, you know, they really start to understand everything. We're going to have to stop swearing. We're going to have to mind what we say because, mm -hmm. I mean, they just, you know, they and then they repeat stuff. And you're going to go, oops, you know, that, <laughs> would, that would not be great. You know, I think... What's been wonderful is that, you know, of course, as a same sex couple, you know, I feel kind of, you know, we were, we were pioneering the kind of, you know, um, you know, the gay marriage and, and gay parenting. And of course, you ask yourself questions and you think, well, of course, you know, I want the role model I want them to be is that you can be whoever you want to be and you can be successful and you can have a great life, you know. And, uh, you know, just look at us, you know, we've we've um, you know, we, we we've. We've made it work for ourselves and, um, you know, instill that confidence in them, um, you know, of course. Be, I suppose being creatives, um, I think, kind of helps because it's, um, you know, we want them to unleash all their potential uh, in whichever direction that might be and knowing that that's fine too. And and it's it's so fascinating to see how they, by becoming their own, because, you know, you think your children are going to be little versions of yourself, which is so not true. No, they're their own people <laughs> and they have their own, make up their own minds and, and they already, you know, at such a young age, you know, develop such kind of um, little personalities. And I think uh, the role model that we can be is just, you know, to allow them, to give them the space and the time and the environment where they can really full up, fully blossom and develop whichever, uh, you know, whichever dreams, skills, um, vocations and, uh, you know, and things they, they would want to do mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and be, be tolerant and open minded and, uh, you know, and and uh, enjoy life uh, on whichever way they want to. And I think that's working out quite well. You know, they, they are really they're certainly not lacking anything because, you know, you do kind of think, OK, well, will they will they be lacking something you ask yourself those questions because it's mm -hmm. such a huge decision to have kids and we thought long and hard about it and i think you know every day you know when i go to crash and they say oh well you don't know billion two people they're the best behaved anyway and oh my god you know billion no 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 billion two people no they've eaten well and you get all that good feedback and it's like you know just kind of <laughs> oh yes please can <laughs> i hear more coming. of that <laughs> you know of course keep it coming because yeah. it's just think oh we must be doing something right and 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 you know as any parent would understand is you know you don't know what you're doing really and you're mm. just trying you know you're just trying use your common sense and and kind of you know give them everything you can and then it's it's obviously great to see you know all, all, all I can see is two, two little happy little girls running around. That leads me to my next question, which is what would you tell your 18-year-old self? If it's not going to happen right now, 
it doesn't mean it's going to never happen. You know, okay. just just take each step at a time and don't worry so much. You know, that driven person that I know I am, you know, sometimes means putting unnecessary pressure on. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just have to be in the moment and just accept that things are the way they are. And just because something doesn't work out right now, it, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And, and, so, so, and sometimes it can happen when you least think about it. And in a way that you might not have expected, you know, hence my life. So um, I think that's what I would tell my 18-year-old self. Thank you. And what is the soundtrack to your life? Do you know yet or do you want to come back to the me? The soundtrack to my life. Yeah, that's a big one, isn't it? That is a big one. But again, maybe not think about it too big. I, I would have to get back to you on that one, if that's okay. Sure, mm -hmm. absolutely. <laughs> I'll give you food for thought then. Yeah. Thank you so much. And is there anything we can look forward to in 2017 from you? Well, of course, you know, there's, pl there's plenty of, of stuff coming up again, you know, for our international community. I think we have this lovely Arthur Miller focus in April, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with obviously an English language production of The Crucible, which uh, Luxembourg, uh, you know, um, favoured and, and uh, very faithful director Douglas Rinchel directs, which will also have Luxembourgish uh, uh actresses in the cast so that's very exciting and there will be Brooklyn Boy Made Good another piece about other aspects of Arthur Miller's life using some of his other texts and interviews and then View from the Bridge in a French production but not to be missed it's a fantastic production you normally have subtitles though is that right we usually do French subtitles but but now since the demand and since the the, the pieces are so popular in English we, we don't always do it okay. um, but you will find all the information on our website please come and uh, check it out uh, on the website and uh, you know keep coming to see us great thank you so much for sharing your pleasure. success story with us um, and we'll look forward to more programs from you soon thank you thank you bye 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 so we've come to the end of the show now and I just wanted to say a big thank you to Tom for taking time to come and visit us in the studio and to share his success story so it took some time for Tom to think about his soundtrack to his life. And when he came back to me, he said that the soundtrack to his life would be Kate Bush's album Lionheart. Um, he says that first of all, she's an artist that he's admired since he was a teenager. And Hammer Horror is the first track that he discovered during a playback contest that he took part in as Falco. Secondly, he says that the song Oh England, My Lionheart describes his enduring relationship and love affair with England. And finally, the title Lionheart describes someone with courage or someone brave. And he's always considered himself as someone who's not afraid to take on challenges and who thrives under pressure and in the face of adversity. And I couldn't agree more. And I'm sure those of you who listen to his interview will agree that he's definitely someone who is willing to go against the odds. Um, and that's maybe the reason why he's so successful. Thank you again to Tom and thank you again to all the listeners who have tuned in. I will take this opportunity to ask you to please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes by leaving a rating. Um, so that's however many stars you want to give us. By leaving those ratings, you move us up in the charts. And who knows, one day we could be number one in Luxembourg. Thank you so much again. I'm Marina Lai, and I'm going to leave you with one of the tracks um, that Tom described as the soundtrack to his life. And this is Oh England, My Lionheart. Yeah, it shelters the blue and clover. 
Peter Pan steals the kisses.